What's up? This is Dominique Bomonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. I had the privilege of speaking at the Sacramento District Conference during the Men's Fellowship on Friday, March 19, 2021. I'd like to thank my pastor and superintendent, Benny L. Tolliver, for the opportunity to share. I hope that you will be blessed by this presentation. But at this time, we bring it to your own elder, uh, Dominique Bermonte. Um, this morning, I'm going to talk about um, for, for a little from the subject, Build Back Better. Uh, I am borrowing uh, this uh, subject um, um, from um, what seemingly is the, the campaign slogan from Joe Biden, but I'll talk to you a little bit more um, about that. What I'd like to do um, is um, put into your mind a few pertinent questions about what we're going to be uh, discussing this morning. We're going to be talking about um, the importance of setting intentions and being intentional in our work. Um, but I want us to um, reflect on a couple of questions um, as uh, our superintendent has given us the, the theme, um, repairs or restores of the breach. Um, and I'm going to read that scripture momentarily. But I want us to be thinking about these four questions in particular. Uh, number one, what are some areas in my life uh, and the life of my family that need my attention as, as the leader, as the head? Um, where can I spend my time, talent, and treasure to rebuild? So all of us have uh, time, talent, treasure. Sometimes that is unfolded into one word, our capacity. And then um, when we're thinking about um, relationships and opportunities that we have uh, for restoration and rebuilding, um, what are those relationships that we need to um, be thinking about rebuilding? Is it a relationship with our parents, relationships with our siblings, relationships with other men, other preachers, other deacons, other brothers of the church, relationships that we need to restore uh, with our children, perhaps our spouse, our community, um, or our church? And then also, what is a persistent problem um, that, that, that we as individuals have allowed to go un undressed, unaddressed? Maybe it's that thing that you think about a lot, like you complain about to your inner circle, but you haven't, um, you haven't necessarily done anything. Maybe you don't know how, maybe you don't feel like it's your responsibility or, or whatever it might be. So I want us to um, bring those things to the surface of what we're going to be talking about today and kind of let that drive um, um, how you experience um, today's um, brief discussion. The pastor um, provided for us um, a, a wonderful scripture, our superintendent provided for us a wonderful scripture um, to guide um, the conference and this thought around restoring or repairing the breach. And it comes to us from Isaiah, the 58th chapter in the 12th verse, and it reads, and they shall be of the and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Praise God and the Lord. A blessing to the reading of his word. 
I alluded um, to um, the uh, 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 subject build um, back um, better um, because um, that was the uh, campaign slogan for which um, uh, the Democratic nominee uh, Joe Biden used um, when he ran um, for president successfully won. And I won't get into that, but I will say that um, it's interesting because in my research on the, the subject, I learned that um, Joe Biden is actually not the originator um, of this particular slogan. Um, this particular slogan was um, the, uh, the result of a United Nations project or the, the, the collaboration between um, many nations to address the aftermath of the 2004 Indian in Ocean uh, tsunami. And I'm going to need someone. All right. Um, and so the, um, the, 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 the idea um, of building back better um, was a collaboration between nations to not just address the, the aftermath of, of, of this particular tsunami, but also to think um, more deeply and intentionally about how um, countries and how the world would respond to um, conflict um, that was would happen uh, in the future. And so, um, let me um, just briefly share with you um, what um, a, a few of what um, the United Nations in their Build Back Better uh, uh, campaign um, decided were keys. They had 10 particular keys um, for rebuilding and for planning for um, the restoration of, of, of areas that were devastated by natural disaster. Um, one of the tenets that they shared was that people um, drive their own recovery. People drive their own recovery. They also believed um, and shared that in addition to people driving their own recovery, that the government um, has to enhance its preparedness for future risks. So this uh, collaboration of, of, of world leaders said that we as government officials have the responsibility uh, to um, become more prepared for not just the risk that we have experienced, but also future risks. They also noted that recovery planning um, is dependent on good information. And so um, the more um, information that um, countries and nations have, the better that they can be prepared. So that means collaboration with scientists and, and subject matter experts that could inform um, the work that nations were doing. In addition to that, they talked about the importance of roles um, and relationships being clarified in order um, for, for there to be a collective and effective um, collaboration to respond to natural disaster. Um, countries had to ensure that roles um, and relationships were clarified uh, in advance. They also um, noted that good recovery um, reduces the risk and builds re resilience. And so um, encouraging these nations in particular 
to not be lackadaisical or 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 unthoughtful, um, if you will, about the ways that they decided to recover after natural disaster. And so I'm going to um, use um, um, just a few of these tenants. Like I said, there were 10 of them. I'm just picking out um, five of them that, that, that spoke to me. I'm going to use some of these to sort of guide um, our conversation uh, today. Um, when Pastor uh, Tolliver, Superintendent Tolliver, um, asked me to present, and I appreciate he gave me a lot of time to um, prayerfully um, consider. I was um, going, uh, uh, getting ready to get on a flight um, back on like February 2nd, and he said, hey, read Ezekiel 13 and 14 and come up with something and let me know. And so I appreciate that because um, a lot of times what folks do when they get up to speak, they say, oh, I didn't, I didn't get preparation. Nobody told me that I had to do this. So I'm just going to follow the Lord. The, the superintendent contacted me two months ago uh, to, um, to prepare me for uh, this opportunity. And he said, um, take a look at um, uh, Ezekiel 13 and 14. And I, I, I in particular, um, what um, the, this particular text, um, in, and I would encourage you to read Ezekiel the 13th chapter, um, God had given, God gave Ezekiel a very uh, interesting uh, ministry. Um, the way that God dealt with um, Ezekiel is that he would give him dreams and visions, and then the execution of his dream and vision would be very performative. So he would, um, tell uh, Ezekiel um, that he was removing um, his presence um, from the children of Israel and sending the Ark of the Covenant to Babylon. And so what Ezekiel would do is he would go out into the city square and he would perform the vision that, that, that God had given him. So he was very um, analogous. He loved um, demonstrations of the ways for which God um, 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 spoke to him. And he spoke in parables, um, um, in the, uh, the, the word parable, um, just in, in, in the natural, in the, in the Greek means comparison. And so he, he, he provided um, these uh, really like vibrant and visual comparisons that the people could understand in order to declare God's judgment on the people. And one of the things that he tells um, the, the people that the Lord gives Ezekiel to tell the people is that their, 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 their environments um, have been populated with false prophets. Uh, amen. And these particular false prophets, the work that they would do is similar to what we see um, a lot uh, in, 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 in Christendom. Um, they, they, they would be appealing to the emotions of people. They would be telling people um, the things that they felt like they, that, that people needed to hear. They're, they're, they were not offering warning. They were not walking fully um, in, in God's understanding, but they were doing so in the name um, and the false authority of a prophet. And so God tells uh, Ezekiel um, that, that the problem with these prophets is that they're building um, the, these walls and these systems of, 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 
of, of strength. They, they were men who were um, uh, uh, engaging in, in teaching and, and causing people to believe in them, but they were building with untempered mortar. In other words, they were building um, falsifications, but they were building it with, 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 with uh, materials that could not um, withhold or withstand a storm. Um, the word um, uh, untempered uh, means not moderated or lessened by anything, but the, the definition in particular that I like is not brought to a proper hardness or consistency. So in other words, God is tell, God tells in, in, in Ezekiel 13, he tells um, uh, Ezekiel, who is a priest, um, who is just about 30 years old, he's in the young adult ministry, he tells Ezekiel, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to, to, to give them this, 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 this uh, visual that they have built monuments, uh, they have built buildings that from the outside, they look beautiful, they look appealing, they look attractive, but they're built with material that had not been brought to proper hardness or consistency. In other words, they had systems and structures and groups and organisms that had not been strengthened because of the way in which they were built. And so I want us to be thinking about um, the, the, this in, 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 the, in the natural, um, how um, um, ministries um, are built with untempered mortar, how uh, families are, are, are being um, uh, de-strengthened by the removal um, of, of, of men who cover families. I want us to be thinking about all of the systems for which, whether it be the government or our culture or our communities, um, have, have created systems that are built on, 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 on material um, that does not um, um, have the potential to withstand um, a, 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 um, a natural disaster. I was talking to Elder Smith about uh, this a couple of months ago, uh, or when, uh, when pa after Pastor had called me, um, and Elder Smith um, will uh, will be given the review <clears throat> of 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 this uh, uh, workshop um, during tonight's evening service. And so I was talking to him about some of the things that I was thinking about. And he told me a story about a guy named Byron. Um, I called him Barry because I didn't want to, you know, I don't know, he might, he might show up on the Zoom or something like that. I didn't know. So I said, I'm going to call him Barry. Um, Barry um, was a, um, a, 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 a um, an engineer, um, an individual that worked with Elder Smith. Um, and he had the responsibility of patching up holes um, in, in, in apartment complexes and building structures. So what Barry would do is Barry would go and get um, um, uh, cereal box covers or cereal boxes, and he would take the cereal box um, and he would put the cereal box over the hole and then he would patch it up. And what would happen is Elder Smith and people on his team that reported to him or whatever, they would go in um, and, and to look at um, the, 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 the patch or something that they had to fix and they would realize Barry then painted over a, a, a cereal box. This is a Fruit Loop box that Gary used to patch up this hole. And what they would find is when they would be testing the strength of the wall, they would see that there were some vulnerable areas in the wall that caused the wall not to be strong. So they would have to go back um, and repair um, what, what, what Barry um, had done um, quickly or poorly. And I wanted to um, um, share that because um, a, a lot of times um, we, um, 
we, we do things as a quick fix. Um, and and our, our objective um, is, is for it to look a certain way, but we forget that it's not necessarily about how much it looks if we do not invest the time um, intentionality um, in what we do. And so somebody had to go back um, and, and, and do Barry's job. It reminded me of, 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 uh, of my experience uh, with my father. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I had the responsibility of cleaning the kitchen. And after dinner every night, that was my job. I had to clean the kitchen. I had to wash the dishes, mop the floor, do all the things. And, and so um, what would happen is I would clean the kitchen to the best of my ability, you know, best uh, as a teenage boy could do. And after I got done cleaning the kitchen, because I had to wait until everybody had already eaten, that, that would be my time to go to bed or go do whatever I, I needed to do. And so what would happen is I'd get done cleaning the kitchen, I'd mop the floor, I'd, I'd, I'd do what I thought was the right thing, and I'd go and get in the bed. And my father would wait about 15 minutes, and then he'd say, hey, boy, you come back down here, you're not done cleaning the kitchen. And he would point out, like, you know, little, little spots on the, on, on the floor. He would point out a, a, a dish that wasn't thoroughly clean. And what he was trying to teach me, because I would be like, well, why don't you just tell me that when you came, when I, before I left the kitchen and went to bed, like you waited until I got uh, uh, like good into the first stage of my nap um, before you decided to, to, to call me back. Why can't you just tell me? And what he was trying to teach me is that if you do it right the first time, that you don't have to come back and repair it later. And so I think that one of the things that God is, 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 is trying to get us, whether it be the experience of Barry or the experience that I had with my father, is that God wants us to do it right the first time. But what we're talking about Man. today um, is that even if we don't do it right the first time, God gives us the grace to go back and restore what we have, what, what, what is, what is unbroken. And so I want to just first begin by talking about the importance of building with intention. It's really important yes. for us to be thinking about how we build with intention. So what do we learn from, from Elder Beaumont's experience with his father and Byron Barry is that when we build with intention, we build um, with, with, with a certain intentionality and quality so that we don't have to come back later um, and, and, and redo it. And so yeah. in talking about um, building um, with intention, I thought, Lord, who is um, an, a, a perfect example? example of intentional building or, or restoration. The person that, that came to mind for me um, was Nehemiah. And you, you're yeah. familiar with uh, the experience uh, and the, the story of Nehemiah, but I just want to bring out um, a couple of um, a couple of key points with regard to restoring the breach and how we might build um, back better. So Nehemiah, uh, I, I love the story of Nehemiah because God had um, elevated him, if you will, um, and he was um, Artaxerxes' uh, cupbearer. And, and, and the Bible says that um, while he is, 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 is serving in this high and important role um, in Artaxerxes' kingdom, he hears that Jerusalem is in ruins. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the wall has fallen. I mean, what that meant for um, both Jerusalem and for 
for, for Nehemiah was that the city was not safe, that it was vulnerable. Not only was the city uh, um, not safe, uh, but it was, it was vulnerable to attacks from anyone. And that means that the children, the, 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 their wives, their, their, their livestock, their businesses, everything that they had in that city was vulnerable to attack. And the Bible says that, 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 that Nehemiah's heart was grieved to learn about the status of Israel. Israel, and that he was he, he was concerned about Jerusalem, and he wanted to do something that impacted his countenance. And 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 what we can pull from that too is that it's really important for men. And I know this is a difficult uh, uh, conversation to have, but it's really important for men to experience and express vulnerability, because God is calling us to be concerned about the things that we care about. No, um, note here how God elevates Nehemiah, but his elevation does not. Um, recuse him from the responsibility of Jerusalem. And I know that sometimes that's a difficult um, um, thing to think about, right, when you have family members who have not been um, as dutiful with their resources and they, 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 they lean on you for resources and money and they call you only when they need something. I know that can be a very difficult position to be in. Um, but here Nehemiah realizes that, that even though he's in a high place, he still has a responsibility um, with his people. And so the Bible says that his countenance is sad, and he he he, but he he continues to serve. So he doesn't um take a day off or or or, or take a nap, but he operates in, in in a sad countenance. And the king notices his countenance and says, "Hey, you don't look the way that you normally look. You're not as enthusiastic and 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 bright and bushy-tailed and happy as you normally are. What's wrong?" And so Nehemiah begins to express to him, King, the 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 the, the state of Jerusalem is terrible. The wall has been torn down, is impoverished. The state of the, the place that I love, the, the, the place that I was raised and grew up, the, the, the people that are so wonderful to me that I, that I love, my aunts and uncles, neighbors and whomever, they're, they're unsafe and I really need to do something about that. And so God um, allows for Nehemiah the opportunity um, to go back to Jerusalem um, with the, 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 the permission um, of our Xerxes to do what he can. And not only does he allow him to go back, he gives him the provision that he needs to do that. And I thank God for that because his had um, uh, 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 Nehemiah not been willing to be uh, um, uh, vulnerable um, in his disposition, he would not have gotten the thing that he needed to go back um, and, and, and build back better. And so I wanna encourage us to be thinking about areas where we can be vulnerable areas where we can be, and I'm not talking about vulnerable in the sense of being emotional, I'm talking about areas where we can allow um, ourselves to freely um, um, think and express how we feel about things that are disturbing us, right? The, the things that, that, that upset us that we have been holding in. The, the, in this particular scenario, it blessed the people and everybody attached to Nehemiah that he was vulnerable and willing to talk about the things that bothered him. And I know that can be difficult for men. We don't want to talk about our feelings. We don't want to have yeah. a powwow or a bonfire to talk about what we're thinking. But but the, the power and the example of Nehemiah is so powerful. So I want to just point out just a few things that Nehemiah does that are important for men if we're going to build back better. The first thing, if you read Nehemiah, the first chapter in the fourth verse, that the Bible says that Nehemiah does is he prays and fasts. And I know that we have gotten into this, this mindset that prayer and fasting 
boxing is for women. Like, you know, he said call for the morning women, didn't say nothing about calling for the morning men. And so that's not my thing. Or oh, the women got the prayer um, 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 handled. But Nehemiah, as a result of what he was seeing, um, and, and as a result of the burden that God had put on his life, the first thing that he does is he begins to fast and pray. And listen, there yes. is nothing more powerful than men coming together in prayer. Like, and, and, and women want to hear men pray, right? Yes. Like, there's there's yes. nothing more powerful than being an example of, of, of talking and, and, and releasing and trusting God with what we say verbally. And so Nehemiah first prays. And, and men of God, um, there is if, if we're going to spare and save a generation, we have to have a prayer life. We have to contend for the faith. We have to be diligent in our relationship with God talking to him and creating intimacy in our relationship with him because others are watching us. There are some, especially young boys that that that, that are watching us and they're trying to determine like, well, what what do I pattern after if my mom is always praying for my father or or, or my or, or male figures aren't necessarily um, um, exuding like a, a consistency in prayer. There is power in consistent prayer, especially when a man prays in the company of his son. And, and more importantly, when a man prays in the company of his daughter, then she creates a pattern in her mind that the person that she's supposed to marry has to be a praying man has to be a praying man. And so the example that we give, and it's not just, um, you know, maybe you're not gonna lead the prayer meeting. And we're not talking necessarily about the process of like getting up on the pulpit and praying before you preach or praying over the offering or, 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 or physically praying. We're talking about the practice and the, that, that you create in, in your own personal life. Like our children and those who follow us ought to see us praying over our food, ought to see us praying with our spouse. They ought to see us praying because they need to know that prayer is the key. So Nehemiah um, demonstrates a commitment to prayer um, by um, first praying. Then um, after he's done praying and he he has the, the king says, so what can I do for you? How can I help you? Thank you for expressing vulnerability and, 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 and order. And the thing I love about Nehemiah is that he doesn't just say, well, my, my city is in ruin and so I got to go. And so King Xerxes, peace, you're going to do what you have to do. I'm a man. Nobody tells me what to do, but he goes to the king. He says, hey, pastor, um, hey, king, hey, supervisor, hey, boss, I got this thing that I really need to take care of. And through that conversation, Xerxes says, well, what do you what do you need? He said, well, check this out. I'm going to be traveling from here to there. If you give me a letter, then as I am traveling, I can show the letter to folks so they know I'm, on a, I'm a man on a mission and I got to get where I'm going. But all the other thing that I need is I need the materials to begin the work of building. And so he uses the resources and the relationships that he has for good. And, and I think that that's important for us. What this speaks to is men collaborating right? What this speaks to is men um, coming together to, 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 to glean and to, and, and to learn and to depend on one another. And so he, he uses um, the resources that he has for good. The other thing that he does is that as he begins to work, he empowers the people to help him. So he doesn't just say, you know how we do, we, 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 we start working and if we don't feel the enthusiasm from other people, if we don't feel the energy that other people are bringing to our our vision or to our idea, we just decide, well, they're going to help me. I'm just going to do it myself. And so then we begin to overwork ourselves because we, we, we know it's a burden that God has put on us, but then we get all stressed out because we're afraid to ask for help. And then at the 
end, we're resentful because we're mad that people watched us work and they didn't say anything, or they watched us work and they didn't ask us to pick up anything. We just work, 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 work. And one of the things that, that the first thing after he prays and after he uses his resources, when he gets there, he starts empowering people. He, he takes a tour of the city with, with, with a, the Bible says he had a couple men with him. He takes a tour of the city and he starts saying, that's wrong. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? He begins to empower the men of the city, not just to, to see what is wrong, but he tells them that this is wrong and that we need to do something about it. So he doesn't do it alone. He understands the importance of collaborating with other people. Now, one of the things that we have to withstand is criticism. He has some early criticism that he has to deal with. Listen, the, the Bible says that he has three creeks key critics. And all through the process, the Bible says that Sam Ballard and his two homeboys, every time that, 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 that Nehemiah would make progress, there those critics would be saying, hey, I don't know what you, who you think you are. You're not going to rebuild this, this city. Your work is, is, is not strong. You don't have enough people. You don't have enough strength. You don't have the right materials. Listen, there will be people, as soon as you um, feel the unction of the Lord, as soon as you get the people to work with you, as soon as you get the material and you're ready to go, there will be people to say, I don't know why they're doing all that. I don't know why they're going through all that. I don't know why he keeps pushing that same issue. I don't know why he keeps having that meeting. I don't know why he keeps trying. There will be people who will not understand the vision that God gives to you. It doesn't mean quit. So one of the things that Nehemiah does is that he withstands criticism. They're talking about him. They're laughing at him, but he doesn't let his ego get in the way. The Bible says that the more that they talk about him, the more committed he is. There will be people who will laugh at the, 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 the small um, uh, things that you decide to do to pull your family into covenant with Christ. There will be people that will not understand your faithfulness to God's house and why you keep going to the church to make sure it's locked up and why you keep preaching the same message and even, even though nobody comes. There will be people who will not understand the, the, the practice or the process of building back better. They will be looking at you like, oh, here he goes again. But guess what? Every time that you try, God says, and I, and I love our, our the superintendent always says that God's going to not, God's not going to let you do more for him than that he will do for you and so the more that 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 nehemiah withstood this criticism the stronger he got the more motivated he got to continue to work hard um for his family and for what he believed in and he delegated if you look at chapter three of nehemiah um he broke up the responsibilities nobody was caring more than somebody else everybody was assigned or attached to the particular place that they could build listen if you build your fence and you build your fence and you build your fence, then we'll be able to restore the city. And so he delegated. There is power in delegation. And sometimes we, like I said earlier, like we get into this space where we, we don't like the energy of the people that we could delegate to. So we just decide to do it ourselves. We don't like how people um, respond to our idea. Or sometimes like people, um, and, and, and I think this is really important, sometimes people's criticism is not because they, um, they don't believe in you, but they're projecting their insecurities on your idea, right? So you say, here's something that I believe that the Lord has given me. I got this really bright idea and I really want to go for it and God's going to bless it. And they say, I don't know how you're going to do that. That just doesn't make sense. What they're saying is that they don't know how they would do it. Right. And so the thing I love about, um, I was reading um, in um, about, um, I was reading about, uh, yesterday I was reading about, um, who was I reading about yesterday? Uh, 
Joseph. I was reading about Joseph and how when Joseph went um, to um, um, tell Pharaoh what his dream was about, Pharaoh said, hey, I heard um, that you're the man that can tell me what, you, what, what, what my dream is about. And, and Joseph said, no, I'm not the man. God is the man and that he will speak through me. And so that's the attitude that we have to have when people start criticizing our ideas. It's, it, it's I'm the person that God gave the idea, but he is the God that's going to give me the provision and the know-how and the strength to do what he has called me to do. And so Amen. Nehemiah had that attitude. Um, I want to um, remind us um, that builders work through adversity. Um, and and uh, I have a friend um, who, um, who decided one day that he was going to become a co commercial builder, one of my best friends. Um, he just said, I'm going to build an apartment building. And he got the, 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 the permits and went through all the process. But he said the hardest part was that I didn't realize that when you start a project, even if it rains or snows or whatever it is, you still have to alter your plan in order to make sure that you stay on target with all your dates and your requirements and your and your and your paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes um, we 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 have to know that 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 we have to work through and around adversity. Let's talk about um, how um, Nehemiah does that. We 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 see that um, once um, before um, uh, Nehemiah is just in the beginning stages of his work, um, his three critics. They, they're like, he's never going to do that. Like he, I don't know. I don't even know why he's trying. But as Nehemiah's um, um, effort strengthened, as he delegated, as he got people on board, as he was working fiercely and hard to, to do what God had called him and unctioned him to do, the work began to materialize. The, the wall began to strengthen. And those three critics, they said, wait a minute, like this, this man going to build, um, uh, this man is going to um, in, have an impact on our power like we got to do something about that and so they upped their intimidation not only did they start talking about their ability but they started talking about the work that they did and they and they started to present um in the, in the fourth chapter of nehemiah they started to present a threat um to the people they started to say hey like if, if you keep on working guess what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna take you to battle like and so the the, the bible says that again um nehemiah when he realized the severity of the threat that he did again begin to pray. And then not only did he pray, but he watched. And I love um, how in, in, in Nehemiah's strategy, um, he also revised the plan. If you read the, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse, they decided that a part of the problem is, is that what we have been doing is we've been putting our heart and our energy and our time and everybody's been committed to the work. The problem with that is that now that there are foes and folks that are looking over our shoulder and criticizing us and threatening us, we need to alter our plan. So we need some yes. folks to guard the wall while the other folks build. And so he began to tell them, hey, you build, you guard. You build, you guard. Because, and I think that that's important because you have to, as men, we have to protect our investment. We have to protect what we build. We cannot just build and hope. We cannot just build and think. Now, protection is going to mean a little bit something different to everybody. I pray about it. But you, if you see what I mean, if you see what I mean, if you don't, you don't. But, but what, 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 what Nehemiah realizes is that he had to come up with a new strategy because as his strategy was successful in rebuilding the wall, it created more and more threats. The more successful he was, the more threats were created um, that, that jeopardized the work that he was doing. And so 
so he had to build a new strategy to protect what he had built. And so let us think about how do we protect the idea that God has given us? How do we protect our ministry as it grows? How do we protect the things that God has spoken into our heart as it grows? And, and what, what people do um, in business is when it's just an idea, I don't. I can call Elder Smith on the phone and say, hey, I got an idea about a, 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 a new website. You know, when I'm in the infancy stage, I can talk freely about, you know, what I'm thinking about, what's on my heart. But as the thing grows, I need to be talking to the folks that copyright ideas. Right, I can't call everybody and tell everybody what every what everything that is going on, every little detail of what I'm working on, because um, it, 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 they become a threat to the to the ingenuity and the innovation and my idea. So I have to be careful. So I have to work on it, and then I have to protect it at the same time. And so that's what yes. um, um, uh, uh, Nehemiah begins to do. He both works and protects. Nehemiah four sixteen and seventeen says, and it came to pass that from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spear of the, the spear, the shields and the bows and the habergeons. And the rulers were behind all of the house of Judah and they which builded the wall and they and they that bear burdens with those that loaded everyone with one of his hand, one of his hand wrought in the work and with the other hand held the weapon, working with one hand, protecting with the other right? Because God had given this to him. God had put him on this on his heart. God had given him provision. God had allowed him. God had given him the grace to go back and build Jerusalem. Why would he do all this work and then not protect his investment, not protect what God had given him the grace to do? And so God is calling us to have that same attitude about our churches. God is calling us to have the same attitude about our, 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 our ministries. God is calling us to have the same attitude about our families, that we are working on it and we're protecting it at the same time. Yeah. Restorers um, have to be um, uh, in the position um, to adapt and to change. And so builders, um, we, we multitask um, and we war and we work at the same time. And that's what um, the, the, the scripture is, 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 is teaching us. I also um, share this scripture. I think I just read that scripture, but Nehemiah 4, 16 and 18. And so um, I want to remind you of, of, of the, those tenets that I began with when the United Nations realized that they um, had to rebuild, that they had to be intentional about rebuilding after natural disaster. I want, and I want to um, repurpose those um, with what we have talked about um, in mind. So men and restorers, we drive our own recovery with the help of God. Men and restorers, we drive our own recovery with the help of God. We don't depend on other people to save our families. We don't depend on other people to restore our church. Like we take responsibility for what God has given us provision over. Then men and restorers, we have to enhance the preparedness for future risk. We have to be thinking down the road. We have to be intentional about what's gonna happen. We have to lead the effort to create um, sustainable systems to protect what we have built, 
right? We need a succession plan. We need a, a, a we need a plan to protect our family. We need insurance. Whatever it is that we need, men and restorers, we enhance for the future. We get serious about the future because we want to protect what we have built. Men and restorers, we see God for wisdom. The, the, the recovery planning um, is, is dependent on good information. So the more information that we have, we don't just um, think about the past. We don't just labor on what happened yesteryear. We don't, we think about the future. We gather information. Before we begin um, this conversation, I believe Elder Bell was talking about the research that he did um, on, on the COVID vaccine. And, 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 and Pastor June began to talk about the research that he did and the, and, and the empowerment that he got from Bishop Jakes that he then took that information and shared with his church. And so that's what God wants us to do. With the good planning is built on good information. So we get wisdom from God. We pray for wisdom and then we seek information, we get that information and we take God's wisdom and we couple it with that information that we receive. Men and restorers, we clarify roles and relationships. We must clarify roles and relationships. A lot of, of uh, I, I'm, I'm a youth pastor and I see a lot of, 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 of children unsure about, especially young men, unsure about what their role is because they have not seen clear and clarifying roles with men in their life. Right. And so we reassert like and it's not to say that we get in a battle with women about who's the boss or or we get into a, a, a tug of war over machismo, but we reassert our authority as men as the as the individual that God called to cover and to protect. We reassert, we clarify these relationships and roles for the purpose of protection. Because sometimes you you I, I was thinking about um, when I was young, like you know, if 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 my mom um, would, would, would feel like there was a risk to the house or somebody, you know, was walking up to the house that she didn't know, but she would go get my dad and then he would walk out in the front, right? She wouldn't go out and try to like handle the problem, although she could if she wanted to, but he would go out in front of her to say, hey, is there a problem? Like, what's going on? And so that, that, that was a subtle way of asserting that there's a man that lives here. There is some, there's a covering in this household. This is not a vulnerable house. This is the house that where, where, where there is authority and where there's somebody who's leading um, in wisdom. And then finally, men and restorers, we know that good recovery reduces risk and builds res resiliency. And, and, and I thought about that because I asked when we began, like if there are relationships or people or things that we needed to do. And sometimes as men, like we don't, we're reluctant to, to, to engage in the process of restoration, especially when, when it comes to relationships with our kids, we say, well, my wife will do that, or my sister will do that, or the women's department will do that. Or, but, but this idea of, of building back better, when they came up with this, this is the last and final tenet. They said that when, when men, and I'm, I'm adding men, and when the restorers um, um, realize the importance of good recovery, then they realize the importance um, of, of resiliency. And so they um, go ahead of the situation to create opportunities for restoration. So that means that there are going to be some conversations that we have to start that nobody's going to start for us, right? And so God um, it wants us to know that if we are intentional about how we recover, then we reduce risk in the future. 
right? So if we're in, intentional about the way that we go into that com family conflict or that ministry or auxiliary conflict, then we are not only um, 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 reconciling with our brother and sister in that conflict, but we are also saying that we're going to mend a situation so that it doesn't cause a problem later. And so those are the things that the Lord uh, impressed upon my heart um, to share uh, this morning. I pray um, that um, if I said something um, that blesses you and I want to give it back into the hands of the superintendent. God bless you. Season with song, with song.